good evening. It is with a heavy heart that we mourn the loss of one Louis Anderson. Born March 24, 1953, he was a comedian, author, game show host, and most of all, a hell of a comedic actor. He was also a Mayflower descendant, if you could believe it. Dennis Miller once said this about Louis style. One of the lightest on his feet comedians I know. There are very few guys I'm going to leave my dressing room early to watch. Louis has a Fred Astaire of a broken leg approach. Very nimble. And he wouldn't hammer points home. He would do a weave bag that was almost Pulp Fiction-like. His film credits include Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Coming to America, Bebe's Kids, and the Coming to America sequel. But for those my age, 34, who remember him most for his Life with Louis cartoon that played on Fox 5 a lot. It brought a lot of laughs and brought a lot of joy. He was always someone you can count on to show up somewhere where he least expected, but steal the scene immediately. It's a damn shame. Cancer continues to take some of our greats. He left us at 68. Quite frankly, I could have used 10 more years of Louis content. That's just me. We here at WRKM send our deepest condolences to his family and friends. And, well, there's not much to say other than long live Louis's memory, but thanks for the last friend. Well, it's Saturday night. Let's have the talks we can't have when the sun is up. Good evening. I'm Rafael Martinez, and this will end in darkness. Originally, this episode was going to be a bit happier, a bit, you know, with the jokey jokes. But then something happened this morning, which actually kind of took my breath away. I had seen Pauly Shore's tweet about the condition of Louis Anderson, who was in the hospital suffering complications with cancer. Didn't think he died next day, but he did. And... There aren't too many people in the world I can talk to about this who will appreciate the, the enormity of this man's comedy legacy. But I knew there was one that I can call on, and he's, loud, he's now live on the phone with us. He is one Raymond Baxter, a.k.a. The Revolution Ray. Louis Anderson, man. Yes, sir. Louis Anderson. Louis. Uh, when... When you text me that we lost Louis, 
I'm going to be very honest about what I want to say next, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a huge full house guy. I really didn't care for a bunch of struggling whites having to room and board together to survive. Um, I really didn't give a fuck about this, okay? I didn't give a fuck about the Tanner house at all, okay? Uh, didn't grow up seeing Bob Saget on HBO Half Hour Comedy. I, I didn't see his HBO special if he had one. I believe he had a Showtime special. Didn't see it. But you want to know who I saw from Jump as soon as he hit the Tonight Show? And HBO Half Hour Comedy and everything that followed after that? Louis motherfucking Anderson. When I say a Titan, right? Like, I, this is not a pun about the jokes he even made about his thoughts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. This guy was a force of nature. You know, like he had that beautiful voice, he had that great deadpan delivery. He, oh man, like you look at um, what's 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 our guy name? Uh, ball he kind of looks like Larry David, and he would have those beautiful deadpan one-liners. Uh, you know Ray? who I'm talking about from the late seventies, early eighties? Was that Stephen Wright? Then Stephen Wright, Stephen Wright, Stephen Wright. Imagine taking Stephen Wright and imagine um, taking um, what's the super blonde white boy who's always talking about how white he is. Oh, um, he's Conan's boy, uh, Jim Jim Gaffigan, right? Yeah, just, <laughs> I just saw his special last night. It's pretty solid, right? It's pretty solid, right? Yeah. Imagine, and then a couple more guys who you, you got to take a few different people and get Louis Anderson. That's what I'm saying. You got to take those guys and maybe a couple more to get the the Minnesota wrecking comedy <laughs> of <laughs> Louis Anderson. He's a phenom, man. Like a, another thing, right? He took this bit part, this this one little thing in coming to America, Raphael, and chewed the shit out of it. Yeah, he did. See, now I'm watching lettuce. Soon I'll be on fries. <laughs> <laughs> and then the grill. Then I'll make assistant manager. And that's where the big parts start rolling in. Let's stop. Dog. I'm getting goosebumps saying this. He, he killed in a movie that had nothing but lines. Boom, quote, quote, quote. Louis against Eddie, uh, John Amos, um, Arsenio, and every character they play. Louis Anderson is in the top five of the quotables out of, out of maybe. 30, 40, and coming to America? Come on, man. And that's the Come thing. on, like, man. When you see him in Coming to America too, like, just him being there is like, oh, this is, it feels like home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's a dude who, like, he, wherever cast he was part of, he added to. He never took away from. Even on the, the little family sitcoms he was doing for a while, and he had to, like, you know, clean up a little bit. He was still able to do that, but still be a huge force in any project he was part of. And you, like when you're younger, because I know how I was introduced to Louie was through his cartoon, Life with Louie. Oh, 
which like, listen, it's, it's genius. One it's one of the best. Like it's one, it's one of the best. All time for children's shows, yes. Because here's the thing with that show. It would come on at the tail end of the Fox Kids lineup. So you knew your yep. Saturday morning was over, but you were going to end it with Louie. You were going to end it with a killer. And his shows, like, those episodes would go from extremely funny to extremely serious, but there was such a good heart there that you really felt for his family. And you could yeah. tell he cared about how exactly he wanted his family to be betrayed. Like, you know, his dad is, you know, he says often was his well-known alcoholic, but the way they treat the father on that show is, yeah, he's loud and he's boisterous, but there is a heart there. So Louis, yeah. I think, on, on the level, very few animation shows even dare go with children, was talking about some really complicated family stuff in the most simplest, goofiest way that for a lot of people went over their head. But if you were really watching, Louis was putting you on some life lessons. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And like that show, and like you said, the placement of it, uh, the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> and him and his brother, like, and, and to introduce his brother. Yeah. And like you said, that whole family dynamic, man, like everyone really needs to dip back into it if we can find it somewhere because it was, it was a gym. An absolute gem, and every single one of his stand-ups. I, I'm telling you, man, I was a kid, and I was obsessed with late-night television. Obsessed, right? I'm obsessed with Carson. I'm obsessed with Letterman. I'm obsessed with SNL, um, and then end up being Conan later on. Uh, th- these are the people I grew up on uh, in the '80s, being a little boy in the '80s. Yeah. And Louis Anderson, when I saw him on the Tonight Show. And I wasn't expecting much, and that's that's what I love when you have a lower expectation, and then they completely punch you in the stomach and then give you an uppercut to the chin. That's what that's what Louis' comedy was, man. And he was such a great interview. He seemed like a legitimately solid human being. Ugh. This hurts, man. This yeah. hurts. It, it's one like because this morning, also, you know, we're recording this on Friday for Saturday night. It's like. You, this morning, like me, I start my day with meatloaf, and then I see everyone kind of like relegate meatloaf to the one line fight club. His name was Robert Paulson, and like after the fortieth one, it gets really kind of annoying because it's like the dude did more than that. <laughs> like he had, yeah, oh. he had so much to offer, but yet we're only sticking with his name was Robert Paulson. So like it's fucked. But then it gets followed up right after that with oh here's Louis Anderson. Also, it's like God damn man and. You know, for me, Saggy was a little different. I think Full House was part of that, like, after-school lineup that I would watch with Boy Meets World and all that. So the Tanner family, okay, okay. The Tanner family was the family that got me to the Matthews. You know what I mean? Like, if I can just get through the Tanners, I'll get to the Matthews. And Okay. <laughs> and, and then finding Bob later, like, was interesting because I, watching Bob as an adult do stand-up, I was like, okay, like, he's kind of doing the whole... I used to be the dad on Full House thing, and I'm dirty, you know, yada, yada, yada. But then you would see him do other stuff, like other um, stand-up bits, where I'm like, oh, this guy's like really fucking crafted. Like, he's got his, he's got something yes. beyond that, you know? And he was yes. really a comedian's comedian in a lot of ways. And Yes, he was. And that's, you know, you lose, I always tell people, like, when you lose a comedian, you lose one of the most important ways that we deal with the human condition. You know, like, laughter is one of the best and probably the only best way 
to get through life besides love, dude. Like, it's it's one of those things that we can laugh about anything. And when you laugh about the things that hurt you the most, the way Richard Pryor always taught us to do, you're able to overcome those things. Or if someone's able to tell you a joke, it takes your mind off those things. So with Bob Saget, now you got Louis Anderson. It's like, we're losing a lot of guys who kind of define generations, you know? And I'm just wondering who's going to step up in that place. You know what I mean? Because once we start losing the Chris Rocks, the Chappelle's, I don't even want to think about those days, man. Because it's going to be some dark fucking days. And there's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of young guys coming up, but I don't know, like, I wonder. Like, I just wonder what the future looks like. But it also makes you think about your own age, too, man. Like, I'm like I'm 34 now, man. Like I'm, and I'm like Chadwick Boseman already got me thinking about that when he passed away. So like you're starting to see this changing of the guard through natural means, not even through the young cats taking their spot. It's nature taking them out. Yeah, it's nature, and and I'm glad. Thank you for bringing up Chadwick, right? And like it, that was a wake up call for me because he and I are the same age, right? Mm-hmm. And. But one thing that I want to circle back to, right, is what you said about comedy, right? And it's really a love language. And I try to tell the women that I've dated, um, my current relationship, I'm always like, you know, I'm going to always choose comedy, (laughs) right? I'm going to always choose comedy. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why, right? It's two things that you, you, you know that I do and that I'm passionate about, right? Everyone knows comedy is one and the other is what? cooking right yeah and i'll tell you whenever you hear about anyone cooking from the heart cooking from the soul and that's the reason why we get soul food that's the reason why ethnic food is typically seen as better because you know it's not as pretentious talking about you know all these techniques like nah man like we know what we're doing and we're putting our soul and our essence into this and it is so flavorful and if you could just really taste the love and the same thing with comedy right and these two things are love languages. And if people really truthfully approach them like that and stop with the divisiveness of it and just let the people that speak that comedian blame and get that love from that comedian and, and we're receiving that love and we're giving it back. Like, let us love in peace. You know, bro, hey, 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 yeah. this is a message. Message. This is a motherfucking message. No, I'm serious, man. This is, a, and I, and I want to say this too, right? This, and I want to say this to, you know, I'm not trying to offend um, anyone that's a social justice warrior, or anyone that's an activist, um, or in these different communities, right? But I really need to say this right now, right? Yeah. Especially to the white, right? Stop coming after people like Dave Chappelle and other comedians that you disagree with. And you still have several uncles in your family that says, nigger, any chance that they get that say uh, very homophobic, that say very ethnic slurs. There are a lot of people. Clean up your family first. Take all that energy and go after the villains and the monsters that you know. Go, Go fight the demons that reside in your family. You go take care of that. You go take care of them before you go after strangers you do not know. Please go after the demons and the monsters you're related to. Period. 
100%, man. Like, 100%. Like, I... It's amazing because, like, we're now seeing this change in comedy where the comedians are now becoming... Like, before we say it all the time, all the comedians that are truth tellers, they're the ones that are going to keep it 100, even though they have their own biases of how they view things, even into humor, they're going to try to be as, you know, honest as about as they can. And now we're in a place where, like, you know, they have podcasts now, so now you're getting to know them on a different level. And now everyone's complaining about podcasts now because these guys are unregulated. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you, you can't keep these comedians down. They're going to talk their truth regardless. And now we're in this place where comedians are now looked at, I think, at any time in history, more important than ever. And I often wonder, you know, when you look back like at all, like you look at Richard Pryor, you look at Carlin and stuff like that, these guys were doing it at a time where all you saw was that hour special and that was it. Or if they dropped a movie, yeah. they were gone. You or, or went to late night talk. Or yeah. went to late night. And like so they they they, they kind of controlled, you know, who they were for the most part, what you got of them. You know, now you can get a guy like all year round, he's gonna drop you an hour of content every week. You know, and I think I don't know if that's made guys have to get sharper at their stamp. I will I will say the guys coming up now, like when I do see them perform live. They're a bit sharper because they've worked those jokes out in a form where it was first on the podcast, then they started working with a crowd, and now it's, like, finalized when it's, like, at their real show you're paying for, like, the theaters and all that. So they found yeah. another way to work it. But when I look at a guy like, you know, Louis Anderson, and I look at a guy like Bob Saget, I look at a guy like, you know, fucking Richard Pryor, who's not here with us anymore, like, you start to wonder, you know, when did, it, when did the, the world change on comedians? That, oh, no, you were funny when we didn't see you all the time, but now we see you all the time. There's a different expectation of you now. Now you need to be a normal citizen. Now you have to be upheld to the standards that we hold a CNN or a NBC or a CBS. Like, I'm not sure when that happened exactly. Well, I'll say this. I'll say this, right? Everything may not be as linear um, as, as we think it is, right? And yeah. I'll tell you what my point of view is, mm-hmm. right? I think it started with the sanitation of America, right? Like, uh, I can never remember that, that guy's name back in the day who was in New York City and he would wear the white suit. This was maybe at the end of the 1800s and the early 1900s and the early 20th century. And he became like, like he basically created the sanitation department. Yeah. Right. And stopping people from throwing the trash out the windows and cleaning up. Like he, he revolutionized it. Like he literally went out in his own and started this, you know, reform. And so then America, slowly but surely we started looking at labor laws and then we started looking at child labor laws. Do you understand that the term teenager did not exist until the middle of the 20th century. And it was created for child labor law to identify who you were, where you were in life. And the teenager was now a demographic and we started to be advertised for the teenager. And that's when you started getting Tiger Beat and artists and shows to 
target the teenagers because those people used to be getting married and started having children. Yeah, like just even, fifty years prior to that. If you look at like the guys who were off to World War One, you know what I mean? They left at like eighteen, but when they came back, they were aged like fucking forty years. Dude, sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, you had guys with sixteen. And so then now I'm, I'm still going with it, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So then I'm you had you. people right. So then here we go with oh, you gotta start saving your lives. You guys gotta wear seatbelts. Oh, you guys gotta start driving a certain speed limit, right? Look look what well, look what's happening here. Look what's happening. Yeah. Everyone is telling you at these various stages of American history that we know better. And you need to be safer at, for everyone involved, right? Not just for you, right? Listen to, listen to this now. I remember growing up when they were smoking on flights. Oh, I remember going to restaurants and they were smoking in restaurants. Okay. I, I remember that, right? And then when that, like, do you remember that didn't really come to a head until the late 80s and 90s where it was like hey you know stop doing it people you got to think about everybody else and I think by you time, know and by the time i was around maybe seven i remember seeing on the news a lot that new york was barring a lot of like indoor smoking and stuff like that even to the point where even outside the bar smoking became a little bit of a problem yes it did yes it did yes it did and and here we go with that sanitization right you couldn't, now you can't smoke on TV. Now you can't smoke in clubs anymore, right? Because for the greater good. And now, since we sanitize all that, now guess what we have to sanitize now? People and speech and expression. Yeah. And this is how we got there. This, this is truthfully how we got there. Because there are no other things to fight. And, you know, like uh, smoking or, or speed limit or yeah. safety. You know, so now it's like, oh, well, we got to protect everyone from speech and expression. And mm, it's a slippery slope. It is, because, like, now we got to, we got to protect everyone from each other. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's really what it's yeah. become. It's like, I need you to be individual. I need you to only be worried about yourself. Your family unit, maybe. Not all of them. Give up your kid if you have to. But, like, just be concerned about yourself and yours. And then worry about everyone else that's outside. Be afraid of everyone that's outside. And all links like whether it's you know with how they handled the pandemic to a degree how they handle crime to a degree it's like we've all gone to this point now where it's like be afraid of everyone and anyone at this point and it's yeah <laughs> it's like i don't at this point like i've, I've run out of people to be afraid of you know what i mean like i can't even be afraid of white people anymore i'm afraid of puerto ricans now too <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, shit, everybody. You, you know what I mean? Like, everyone, because now, now let's talk about that, right? Yeah. Remember how, listen, games used to be centralized to different regions. Yep. There are bloods in fucking New York now. For the last, I, listen, I, I remember the last time I was in the city, like, like not just visiting home, but like being in the city was 05. Yeah. Right? 05, 06 was the last time like I was actively in the city full time. Pavement, yo. Right. And I'm like, when the fuck did Bloods get here? They were in the block. And I was like, what the hell is going on? This blood culture that started, look how long it took to permeate 
to the East Coast from L.A., Southern California, thousands of miles away, and it took 40 years to get to New York? And now, now, how, how many conversations do you hear? Like, I hate when I'm on the Internet and someone from Iowa is saying dead ass. Like, what? Like, there's nothing contained anymore. So everything's out. So now, you know, everybody's a tough guy. Everybody's a, you know, a, a, a smart mouth. Everybody, you know, like, it's all it, it, where it used to just be contained regionally. Nah, not anymore, man. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's taking our fucking stick. It's like, what the fuck is going on, man? Listen, I've got people in Cincinnati saying bing bong, and I don't even say it. I'm not happy about it. Okay. There is. Let me, can I, can I help you with that? This is a true story. Go ahead. Let me, let me help you with this one, right? (laughs) So, so me and Juan, right? Juan, shout out to uh, my brother, uh, Juan, Juan, shout out to Juan. He and I always talk about the city, uh, sister cities and the pipelines, right? Yeah. And this city has a pipeline from there to here, right? Like Kansas City and um, Oakland, there's a pipeline, right? Uh, it's weird, right? Kansas City, Oakland. Then another pipeline that we talk about uh, is Miami and New York, right? My, New York has a few different pipelines, right? Yeah. So New York and Miami, right? And we get that because of all this older Jews that were in New York and then they started moving down there then the Italians found out yeah. and then everybody else. And all old people <laughs> right? decided that Florida was All old state. people, right? Like it was just, a, it was old people before cocaine, Let you know what I mean? But anyway, my, I my girlfriend the other day was like, we should probably move to Florida in our retirement years. I'm like, damn it, I'm going to be one of those people. I'm gonna be sitting there with my floral um shirt, my shorts, my little sunscreen on my nose, man. I'm gonna be like every guy in like one of those Disney vacation movies. So you're gonna basically be the old guy. From, uh, got it. Pretty much. Thank you. Yep. Getting my balloons, dog. <laughs> so, Getting my balloons. So the next pipeline that he told me about that I had no idea, mm-hmm. right? Was New York to Cincinnati. You know, it I can see is, it, though. It's a very, like, there were a lot of people leaving New York and coming there, especially during the drug traffic era, because that central location was people were picking up drugs, and then they were taking it back to it. Cincinnati, a lot of people don't know it's Cincinnati. And if you go there, Tim's are huge. Like, the, cult, the New York culture exists in Cincinnati. It's wild. That's it's crazy. wild. Cause yeah, cause so I can see how you would Bing the, Bong um, is. You get the bootleg liquor from Cincinnati to New York and vice versa. Because I think there was a dude there who was um, technically a registered pharmacist who okay. was able to get a lot of the whiskey seen as medication right before prohibition happened. So he kind of like locked down this like huge supply of whiskey that would last him for years. And he was stingy as fuck with it. But like he would say, tell the government, listen, this is for medical use only. I'm only shipping it for medical use. And it was like his the only legal whiskey that was really going on at that time. And he would get it to Atlantic City, New York City, Miami. So I can see the, the um pipeline. Like in hindsight now, I can see the pipeline. Yeah. Damn. But see, that's the thing. Like considering so, considering that like now cultures travel, you know, so quickly 
through the internet, social media, all that other stuff. You would think that we would kind of start to all agree on a uniformed language almost. Like we'd all kind of at least be like, all right, let's turn this into an American thing or at least our national identity of it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's an opportunity there, but there's still a lot of divisiveness amongst the region still because the region still want to hold on to what's theirs. But there's some stuff you can't even hold on to anymore. Like Deadass, I can't hold on to. It's gone. Like, it, it, Deadass is never coming back to New York. It now belongs to the world. I've openly accepted <laughs> it. You know, I white flagged okay. it. It's done. You know what I mean? We, you can fight that fight with somebody else. All the old heads complain about it. That's great. Go retire. It's done. You know what I mean? There's nothing we can do about it. But I would think with all this, you know, sharing of culture and information, we could get to a place where we go, this is now ours. What we do here in these 50 states is ours. This is how we rolling. But we still haven't dis- we still haven't agreed upon a national identity yet. Like, what does it mean mm. to be American? And that's something I was... Me and, me and my brother were having this discussion recently about soccer teams and why soccer... Um, why their fans are so rabid. It's not just about the club. It's about the country. This is our country's yeah. team. When the World Cup comes, they show out. Doesn't matter where you're from in Sweden, you're Swedish. If you're born there, you're living there, you're from Sweden. That's the national identity. Same thing in other countries. America doesn't have a national identity because it was built on so many individualistic, you know, ideas, you know, of capitalism, sadly. Which I'm not anti-capitalist, but I do think capitalism does need a social safety net, which I think anyone would agree to. But I think because of how we treat capitalism and how we've treated Americans since the beginning of this country, the individual has trumped the nation. And that's a problem. It should have always been nation first. Like what was good for the nation, you know? And because we don't have a national identity, I think unless we develop one, we're never going to get to this, to merge like all this divisiveness. Like we need to agree. Like Lewis Black said it like years ago in his um red, white, and screwed um comedy special. We need to agree on what the fuck reality is. And once we can do that, maybe there's hope for everything else. You know, I thank you for saying that about uh <laughs> America not having a national identity. And it's funny because I legitimately just thought the same thing. But it was because I was watching Star Trek, right? And I and I laughed because I was like, you know, the Romulans have a planetary identity mm-hmm. and race, like their race, right? They're true races, right? The Klingons have their identity. And and then but when you really watch, there are Klingons who cook and sing opera mm-hmm. and write poetry, right? And, and they're there, right? So it's not this homogenized you know, uh, just a complete warrior culture. It's based in that. Yeah. And the honor is their culture, right? And so when you look at that, and I was thinking about America, and I started riffing on, like, like legitimately, Americans' identity is capitalism, and we should lean into, like, all of us, right? And we should all respect it and, like, let everybody out of the prison who, like, the white boys that sold dope, the niggas that sold dope, the Puerto Ricans are so dope. The Word. Cubans are so like, let everybody out. We're all trying to make it. Everybody <laughs> that was fucking Ponzi schemers, let the motherfucking whites and them Jews out. Let them out. Let them out. They was all trying to get it. It was, we was all trying to get it. Everybody tried to figure out they hustled. 
The Irish who's trying to figure out they hustle. The Jews who's trying to figure out they hustle. And we all learned on the underworld at the same time. We all tried to go legitimate, right? And we're all going legitimate on dirty money. You know what one of my favorite sayings is? And I, and I promise you, it is uniquely American. Yeah. Behind every great fortune is a great crime. Fuck yes. That should be American slogan. I was hoping you said that, dog. I remember the first time I heard it was from Chris Rock. Chris Rock was the first person I ever heard say that. And when he said that, my brain just went, you're right. You're fucking right. And, like, you look at the Kennedys. They're built on bootleg Like, right now I'm reading this book about Alan Dulles who's running the CIA and Kennedy just fired him. But, like, they get into the Kennedys a bit. And they're like, yo, like, they were built on bootleg money. Like, that's just all it was. Like, everyone cut a corner at some point. Even the farmers back in the colonial days were fucking, you know, doing some crimes on the side. They were raiding on pirate ships and shit. That's how America was born with a bunch of criminals. Unlike Australia. Australia was too, but Australia was a prison. We were criminals trying to clean up. You know what I mean? We were reform criminals. Yeah. And 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 here's the thing. Let's let's really dive into the Kennedys real quick, right? Like, like Joe Kent, Joe Kennedy's mom, right? Yeah. She had this hotel, right? Yeah. That was kind of like the, the halfway point for a lot of the bootleggers. Like everybody was coming there, right? Yeah. En route to Canada to get their shit. Mm-hmm. And she was selling liquor out of there. Joe was a kid. Mm-hmm. And Joe was running fucking liquor for his mom. They started their empire way early, right? And then when your man, when Joe gets a little older, right? And fucking FDR is president. Do you know who was behind the goddamn crash on Wall Street that led us into the great fucking depression? Joseph Kennedy. FDR said when he created the commission later, he was like, I'm going to appoint Joseph Kennedy. And everyone was like, wait a minute. Why on God's green earth would you do that? He wrecked this nation. You want to know what FDR said? To catch all the crooks, I need the biggest crook. In that, I'm telling okay. you, I'm, and this is why, I listen, I be telling people, like, listen, do I like the way politics are now? No. But, like, when, they, when George Bush won, I was like, listen, if we're going to catch some motherfuckers, you're going to have to have Bush in there. Because the Bushes go way back. The Bushes go back to the Kennedys. They knew each other. Nigga, they go back to the Mayflower. Fuck Kennedys. You know who else they go back to the Mayflower? Louis Anderson. He's a descendant of the Mayflower. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. God bless him. Look at that. Full circle conversation. I need everybody that's listening to motherfucking (laughs) this in the darkness. Y'all better pay homage. Let me tell you. Y'all better pay homage. This is only a taste of what this season's going to be, dog. This is only a taste. Because we're going deep in some mm. historical shit this year, dog. Like, I'm going to mm. teach motherfuckers shit. And we're going to have some wild-ass conversations. Even wild before. And maybe John will come back someday. We don't know. But he's out there living, dog. Holla at the boy. He out there and he sends his love, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> The kid's getting, like, every college admission letter I've ever seen in my life, dog. I've never seen a kid. Like, he out here dunking on niggas. Yo, he ass. academically dunking. He's he dead more, ass academically dunking. He's got more acceptance letters than I've ever had, like, straight A's in school, dog. Like, I'm in, like I'm half embarrassed but really impressed. I'm like, you I'm like, you came from the same genetics I did. Nice. <laughs> you pulled it off, yo. 
But that's the thing about he's it. He's got more acceptance letters than I got positive pregnancy tests. I got, I got, oof. 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 Yikes. Let me tell you. Yikes. Yeah. It's a graveyard. Mm. It's a graveyard. I'm Jack Skeleton. Yeah. I'm a, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. He's got, he's about got to get more dark. acceptance letters. <laughs> He's got more acceptance letters than I got angry exes, dog. Like, let's give it a vote. Yeah, that's a lot. Let me let a lot of them out there. They're probably watching now, hoping for death on me. But guess what? You can't. Second season out here, bitch. But like, the way I see it is that like when I'm like now because I'm reading this Dulles book and all that, and you're starting to like piece together who everyone is, who everyone's connected to. Yeah, it's 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 really run by crime families. It's a country run on on crime families. Mm. You know, and it's like mm. to me, either you accept it and get your hustle on and get your money, or you're gonna. It's, it's like trying to turn a hoe into a housewife. You can't turn a country run by crime families into a legitimate business. How often does it ever happen? Mm. You know, like like the let's odds. Not keep, good. keep going because that crime family sits real and pot like it. And, and I'm going to tell you something, right? I'm going to tell you something. And I think that if, when people watch The Godfather, mm-hmm. they really, they really fucked us. Let me, let me tell you why. Yeah. It, I, I saw, I saw what Puzo was doing where he was going, mm-hmm. right? Because you look at, they told Tom Hagen, you cannot get in here like that. Mm-hmm. You go get a law degree. They paid for Hagen to get his law degree. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck with me now, right? And they wanted, he wanted to keep, he wanted to keep Michael out of the family business and go and he kept in Senator Colion. Mm. Like, re- remember that scene? Yep. Like, he was like, like right? I was, I was thinking about, when you said Godfather, that's the first scene I went to in my head. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he knew, he knew how to do it. It's really, it's really like you just said, bro. It's a crime family. And all of them went to Harvard. They, they were all, these Eastern people, they all had dirty Money. All of them came from dirty money. You did not come to America and did not build off the backs of, first and foremost, the indigenous that were here. You all got paid slaughtering millions of peaceful people who were trying to protect their family and their land, period. And then you sampled their government for your own. Absolutely. For your own. For your doing, own. They were doing RZA shit before RZA was doing it. Exactly. Dude, and we're not even going to talk about agriculture, irrigation. We're not going to talk. Like, y'all, so they could not grow. Dude, do you know how many colonies died out in New England? Died out. Yep. In Virginia. They died out. The Royal Colony. Died the fuck out. They still know what happened to Rome. Right They're gone. <laughs> they disappeared. Gone. <laughs> gone. And I, and I say that to say, right, like when you look at like the Kennedy, right, and like you said, like there was a picture when I saw this in my late teens, yeah, like my late teens, and it was it was uh, George H. Bush, um, Dick Cheney, Nixon, um, Oh, oh, what's it, Bob Dole? Bob Dole's in the picture. Yeah. It was Bob Dole. It was Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney was this motherfucker. Like, they was, and I'm like, wait a minute. And they're all kicking it. And, and like, nobody really looks at 
yep. how powerful. Do you know how powerful the the Walker Bush family yep. truthfully is? I, like, I, like I thought... George H. Bush is nasty. The most powerful president yeah. that we've ever fucking had, bro. The you director of the CIA. The director of the CIA and became president. What? Let me tell you, dog. And it even goes even farther back, right? So Alan Dulles was a spy during World War II. His focus, Correct. his focus wasn't even on Nazi Germany. He had, and we're gonna talk about this when we do the episode about him. He was doing side deals with the Nazi Germans, dog. Like he was trying to get them to come to America and give their money over so they could fund this dream of an intelligence agency he had so they can combat the Russians. He wasn't even he at some point, his brother John Foster Dulles, who ran the fucking State Department, early in his career said, You know, I admire Hitler. We both come from the gutters and we made something of ourselves. It wasn't until people went, yo, you can't be saying nice shit about Hitler that he stopped. <laughs> like, like, dog, what do you you can't be saying shit like that? So then fucking Alan Dulles builds a CIA, but guess who he gets close with? A young Republican congressman named Richard Nixon. They get close. He teaches him his whole Cold War strategy, how it's an endless war against the Russians. It's a secret war. Presidents don't need to know nothing. The public don't need to know nothing. We're going to keep this all under the table, and we're going to hit the Russians with everything we got. We're going to destabilize other nations, all that. The current foreign policy that was built was built on the backs of Alan Dulles, Richard Nixon, who then fed that over to Donald Rumsfeld, who then gave us the war on terror. So it's all connected. All the, it's all the same 14 people, you know, just trading ideas yes. and just going, hey, this sounds nice. This sounds nice. On the first episode of this show, we talked about how there might not be an Illuminati, but it's a Bohemian Grove. You know what I mean? Like, they, they do get together. They do share a lot of ideas. So it's, when you start to realize it, this whole country is run by a central group of a few people, there's two ways you go about it. You either full-on revolution, because it ain't going to be done nicely. They're not going to willingly give up power like that. Or you just try to get yours and just open the floodgates and let everyone try to get their money up. Because I think the national identity should just be the hustle. Gary V should be our next president. <laughs> let's just let's just start the hustle economy. Gary V, <laughs> very tough. <laughs> nah, I, I say like legit. If we gonna keep it a buck, yeah. our next president that we can all relate to, I say it'd be like City. Yeah, you know what I mean, like City. Like we all, like we all saw his rise. We all know his story from you know like hustling on the street. Like like nobody. Ascension, not even yay, not even yay, because when you even look at yay, right, his yeah. both his parents were fucking brilliant. Like his mom yeah. is at one of the top fucking ten, not not hundred. She's a, she was an educator at one of the top ten universities in fucking America. Okay, she was brilliant. Donda was brilliant. doctor doctor. Like City was off the street and then hustle every little thing to go all the way to being an icon in hustle culture. You know what I mean? Like, cause Gary V and Barry G, no disrespect, no no disrespect to him and the Bear Check, wherever the fuck they came from, from Eastern Slavic motherfucking big head, <laughs> goddamn water on the brain culture, like, you know, all the motherfuckers over here have some huge ass heads. 
you know, like I don't know what's going on over there. We need to we need to look at that. But his family still to the end of the day owned the wine store that he grew up in and yeah. started. Like you, you know, they came over here with nigga. You did. You had a storefront. You had a business. You had cancel. Fuck that nigga. City Sin had shit. He was living with his grandfather. His mama got killed by a nigga that looked like James Brown. I mean, not James Brown. Uh, Rick James that she was selling dope for. Got got murked in 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 Jamaica Queens, right? And found her body in a fucking bando, my nigga. And then you listen. That's the American story right there, especially the new American story. Hell yeah. Like, that's the motherfucker I'm voting for. I'm voting for Fiddy. Fiddy says for president, shoot him back to his brother, man. Yeah! I'm with it. I'm with, I vote Fiddy. Hell yeah. I'm with it. Like, why not? At this point, America needs to be a troll because we're, like, we're not powerful anymore. China is. So we got to be Thank a troll you. instead. We got to be a troll instead. I'm with you on this. No, this makes 100% sense. I don't care what anyone says. In the comments, say what you will, but this makes sense to me. 50 Cent for president. I'm in. I'm in. We got to start this campaign ASAP, though. Like, 2024 is, like, right around the corner, and these midterms don't look good. But what's he running as, though? Independent? I don't know. I mean, listen, the genie's out the bottle now. Like, at this point, and see, here's here's another thing about America, right? Like, <laughs> Everything that we have, right? When you really look at it, we're about branding, yeah. right? America's big on branding. And the biggest brand, and I don't give a fuck what nobody says, but you pay attention to this shit, right? The biggest brand is always split between two, but the most viable brands are always two, right? And strangely, they're always either red or blue. Hmm, let's be Democrat, blue, Republican, red, hmm, mm-hmm. Coca Cola, red, Pepsi. Blue. Mm. Shall I continue? If you like. Sh- shall I? Ford? Woo. Huh? Woo. Woo. Huh? Okay. We're getting the cars now. I love cars. Woo. Let's go. Let's huh? Go. Huh? Oh. Like, like, my nigga, it's out here, right? Yeah. And at this point, the, the, the groups want to win, uh-huh. right? They just want to win. They want the candidate that they can win and they can keep their policy and their agendas not just afloat. But to to push forward for the next how many election cycles? You, you know what I mean. And I could see, I could see legitimately fifty getting on the Republican. <laughs> Listen, I could see fifty winning. I could see fifty running and not there? on some dark horse shit. Who's the running mate? Legitimately to to legitimize him. Um, man, I, I would say maybe Christy. Does he have any juice? Because I'm trying to think of someone juice. that. Let me tell you, he dropped but that see, book that's of what... his that was anti-Trump, and it barely sold. Dog, I know people who self and it barely sold. Like I know people who self-published and made more than Chris Christie did on his own book. I, I'm trying to think of a name that wouldn't overpower him. Like, because you have dude, to. It's right. You, 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 he, 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 he would also have back. to go and do. You have to go to the family that knows brands, dog. But you get the next generation, B. Donald Trump Jr., B. You balance it out on the Republican ticket. <laughs> like, 50 and, like, dog, that party's wild. Because they both party. They both say whatever they like on Twitter and on interviews. They'll have each other's back ridiculously. Like, there'll be no backstabbing between the two of them. And they both know branding. Mm. 
Mm. Mm. I love point, it. And at that point, if you're on the Democratic side, you gotta go um, Michelle Obama and Oprah. Only way you can beat them. If you have a chance at all. Oprah's got the money. Michelle's got the class. Bam. Mm. It's about honestly, we're entering a battle of the brands. That's America now, a battle of the brands. That that's it. That's what that's what it is. And again, we go back to it. If we're talking branding, we're talking capitalism, yep. right? And and that's it, man. Like America, I've never seen more people create LLCs in in the last two years, right? And and let me let me keep it let me keep it a buck. You go know, ahead. the biggest proprietors. The biggest subscribers of capitalism are niggas. People with melanin. Listen, man, niggas need to wake up and stop playing. Niggas need to wake up and stop playing and stop lying like y'all are not the biggest conservative group out here. Y'all motherfuckers live to have small government. Y'all don't want the government in none of y'all shit. Everybody's y'all don't want to pay taxes. Everybody's living to get some money. Until you get a few dollars, it's like, uh, I don't know. Man. Have you had a conversation with a poor black talking about FICA on his exactly? It ain't about having money. It's listen, niggas don't want to pay taxes. Niggas would love to take that shit and dump that shit in the East River, my nigga. Yeah. They would love to take the tea and start the motherfucking revolution again, throw that shit in the East motherfucking River. <laughs> then these niggas love Jesus. Y'all yeah. are the most Bible-carrying... Cons- y'all, y'all will kill in the name of Jesus. Let y'all will kill. Latinos are right there. We really... Oh, really no. Self- no, 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 no. They not right there. We no, 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 <laughs> sir. Y'all are there. Well, sir, stop. 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 Okay? Y'all are disciples of of New Rome. Like, whenever anybody get done, y'all gave up the fucking Caesar and created the Pope. Y'all gave up the Senate and you got fucking cardinals and bishops. Yep. Y'all, y'all gave up having God for faith. Stop it. Listen, it's about it's, listen, the same it's shit. about self-responsibility. It's about picking yourself up in your bootstraps and loving Jesus. Those are three. Let me tell That's you. It. The Latino creed, and I and my boy Lou put me on to this, is we under-promise but over-deliver. For instance, a guy will go, I'll give you a baby, but I didn't say I was going to pay child support for it. If I do that, I'm over-delivering. Yeah. So if anything, you know, we've always set the bar a little low so we can, you know, surprise people. That's the key, really. That's the real key to succeeding in America, I think. You always under-promise, and then you over-deliver. Always. That's, I think that's the problem a lot, I think, people, in terms of, like, starting a business, trying to, like, come up in capitalism, never realize. Like, if you are a perfect employee from the day you get there, you're fucked. Because now they expect that all the time for the same price they were paying you at. But if you gradually take on responsibility and legitimately responsibility on your own, and grab no, I can do more, but it's going to cost you this. I can do more, but it's going to cost you this. Like, where I work at now, I came in there as a, as a very reasonable employee. Let's put it that way. I clocked in. I clocked out. I was where I was supposed to be. Now, was I always doing my job? Eh, 
I did it enough to go, oh, well, we're all done enough. Let's put them forward. Then I would go, I'll do it, but you got to pay me more, though. And I kept doing that every rung of the ladder. Now I've gone from, like, being the dude who pushed the orders out to the client's car to now I'm doing the sales for, like, VIPs, man. All because I doled it out a little bit. Just, like, I did enough to go, ah, I'm doing good, right? Yeah, you're doing great, but we want to see more. Yeah, it's going to cost you a little bit more, though. I kind of want, if I'm going to do more opportunity, I kind of want a little bit more money. And I think that's the part of it that people don't realize, that you got to under-promise. And I think that's what America's best at. So, like, when you look at the Barack Obama presidency, or any presidency, really, they always come in there going, hey, we can do a few of these things, but not all of it. But we're going to make you think we can. And when once they're in, they just continuously beat you down with, oh, I tried, I couldn't get this done. Oh, I tried, I couldn't get this done. But then I get gay marriage, though? That's cool. I couldn't get, you know, economic balance between the middle class and the lower class, but hey, two groups that couldn't get married before can get married now. How about that? It's the American way, baby. I wish there was a candidate that came out and just gave a list of here's what's reasonable. I know this guy will vote for this. I know this guy will vote for that. I can get these things passed legitimately. No hopes and dreams, just hardcore numbers. This is what I can actually do. Do you accept it? It would be a game changer, I think, for debates. Like, if, if there, was somebody, there was somebody there going, like, if I'm up there, right, and I was there during the primary, I got Pete Buttigieg, I got, you know, Kamala Harris going, Pete can't do that because Pete don't have certain votes. But what I can do, I can do a version of that. It's not as good, but it's at least 25% there. I think that's what people want in America. They want, it's want to be leveled with. Like, we, we know it's a scam. We know it's run by crime families. But we all, but we all, but we all just want... We know it's a scam. We know it's a scam. Like, like, I was, like, I always tell John, like, it's a work, brother. It's all a work. You know what I mean? It's, first, and it's been a work. The first episode of this show was called It's a Work. Because it is a work. Like, and it's a work in the most beautiful way, though. You know what I mean? Like, it's a work in which we all buy yeah. into it. We all pay into it. We just all want to feel like we're part of something. And if you look at all the divisiveness amongst the groups, that's what it really comes down to. It really comes down to we just want to be in on the scheme, too. We just, want, we, we just want a little bit of a cut, baby. Like, just skim a little that's bit of for us. That's all we want. We'll be quiet that's about it. And I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I say this shit in my relationships, right? And I, <laughs> you want to know why? No. No, my nigga. I'm telling you. Listen. Listen. And I... And I be telling people, right? I'm like, listen, here's what's the problem. Let me in on the motherfucking joke. Because if I'm not, if I don't know what the fuck you laughing at, you laughing at me. Mm-hmm. You tell them. Okay, bro. if me and you not aligned and we not hustling together, we not cracking jokes together, we not out here, like, then we are adversaries. I mean, we got to... Go, bitch. Let me tell you, dog. Fuck out of here. When it comes to me and my girl, I joke around with her and stuff like that. But if we somewhere together and someone jokes on her, I got her back. Like, uh-uh. That's my honky. You yeah. don't do that. I joke yeah. on you. Yeah. We're, we're a team here. Jokes on you. We jokes on you, motherfucker. We finna double tag team. Mm-hmm. Yo ass, you finna get, we finna go all the way to Requiem for a Dream. We finna get the double with the deal on that <laughs> We finna get the double in it, boy. Woo! Yeah, it is weird you got Hey, is that a is that a pun? Because I'm talking about uh big classic dicks, and then you talking about units. 
So what, what are we doing? Is this a bit? Is this a bit? What are we doing? Is this, is this a thing? What are we doing? Honestly, both our minds. We got to be a unit. I'm talking about plastic dicks. Routes. You're talking about plastic dicks. I'm okay. talking about units. We're there. I think we're there. We're there. Different avenues. Cocaine deals don't party. Cocaine deals don't party. Listen, if a couple can't have a cocaine double dildo party together, are they a couple? <clears throat> Crazy, what, what's the cash app? Because I got to send you an offer. I got to pay five. Because you preaching now. Because now you're preaching. That's all I'm saying. Now you're preaching. I'm just keeping it bucky. See, now you out here. You spit now. I'm just keeping it buckies. Them is bar. Like, but that's what Them it is. is bar. We all just want to be part of the scam. So I think if you're, if you're in government, you have to realize if you make them all part of the scam. Like, listen. I think I would be more into like war in Afghanistan if the lithium that we were stealing from there, I saw some kickback from that. I don't think I'd be that's as upset. No, and if you want to talk like legit, legit, that circles back to what we're talking about, American identity. If we say, hey, y'all, listen, America, hey, let's go get everybody else shit. We run it. We're going to lower your bills. We're going to be like, oh, yeah, hey, the more we have, the more like, oh, okay, bet. Bet. Anybody signing up? Oh, hell yeah, I'm a part of that. Yeah. And, then the, and then let's privatize. Let's go ahead and just privatize. Let's just privatize. And let's just stop playing. Let's just stop playing. <laughs> like, let's just make it all make sense. And, and But it's only going to certain people. Yeah. And it's like people talk about this 1%. Man, it's so smaller than that. It is like you said, man. It is like you said, it's about 16 people, man. It's truthfully about 16 people yeah. who are truthfully benefit. 16 people, man. As you Brad, weren't lying, bro. As Brad Pitt told George Clooney, test does not split 11 ways, dog. That's what they got to realize. America does not split 16 ways, my guy. You got to split it with everybody. Everybody wants a piece. Let me have a piece of the goddamn regime wars we got in South America. Granted, terrible. We shouldn't be doing it. I want to make that the policy of WRKM. We do not believe in regime change wars. But if we're gonna, let me get a kickback. Let's get a taste. Like you said, I want a taste. Nick, hey, I want to wet my beak. Huh? Yeah. Huh? I want to wet my beak a little. Huh? I want to fucking spread it around. I want to fucking wet my beak a little. All right? Hey, well, you want fucking away? We fucking starved out here. You got fucking fat. Just give me a look. I just want a fucking taste. Huh? Give me a, give me a fucking That's taste. It. That's all I'm fucking asking for here. You know what? All right? You know, what? You know who got a real good taste? Louis fucking Anderson, dog. He got in there Boom. and he got a taste of the American fucking dream. Descendant of the Mayflower, one of the greatest com- comedians of all time, Louis fucking Anderson. Got, a, got to wet his beak a little bit. And God bless him. He got... He got to wet his beat. Thank you for having me, sir. Yeah, it was great. Ray, thank you for being here with me and helping me get through this morning without Louie. And I think we might have saved America right now. I think this is the I think hour. You did. I think this is the hour we healed all the wounds. I think America saved my nigga. Yeah. I think America is safe. I think you got a couple quotables out here. Oh, Let yeah. some bitches fly. We got a couple of Let them fly. Yeah, we're on TikTok now, dog. So get ready for the TikTok to start rolling through. How we roll. Let him fly. The American eagle is about to soar. Let's keep it a book. I think I know and Ray knows how this one is going to end.